Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. Alf954. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome into the latest episode of Floors Yours on the Five Reasons Sports Network, an extension of the Five on the Floor podcast. You can also hear us every single day. That's Monday through Friday on Dash Radio. That's the Nothing But Net channel. So all you've got to do is download the Dash Radio app. It is free, and after you do that, then go to search for Nothing But Net. You'll find us every day from 10 to 11 a.m. and also on the East Coast and from 7 to 8 a.m., Pacific. Also, check out all of our great sponsors. That includes Biscayne Bay Brewing and includes YouBreakWheelFix.com, LouisPeters.com if you need help with insurance, BankruptcyIsGoodForYou.com if you have problems in the financial area, which a lot of people do right now, and all of our other great sponsors, including Dr. Jonathan Chung at ChiropracticKeystone.com if you're having back trouble. So, we've got a solution for just about every problem. We also got a solution. If you're having problems with paywalls on South Florida sports websites, because we don't have any. So go to FiveReasonSports.com. Got a little bit of a different crew tonight, including uh, one of the guys who's posting the constant content on FiveReasonSports.com. That's Brady Hawk. Um, you can find him at, what, what is the handle again? I always confuse it. Miami Hawk. Yeah, 607. 607. Is, is that a birthday? Is that the yeah. significance of that? Yeah, it's June oh, okay. 7, so. All right, so we know what to get to next year. All right, and then we've also got Adam Bore. Um, he is behind the Clutch account, which is now affiliated with Five Reasons Sports. You can find him at Clutch. I always screw this one up. Clutch NBA. That's Clutch with a C, not the Clutch that runs uh, LeBron's agency. Clutch with a C. Clutch NBA at. Do we just lose Ethan? <laughs> So, no, you didn't lose Ethan. You didn't, you didn't lose Ethan. I, got, I, I, I got a phone call, and I can't turn off those. We usually lose you when we're up to five, uh, but, but I'm, actually, I'm actually here tonight. So, so that works out okay. All right, so let's get right to it. Um, the big news today, the floor plan today, and we're going to take your questions. That's a big thing. That's the difference between this show and the other shows that we do um, on Five on the Floor, where we absolutely can't do that. But uh, the, big, the big story tonight is the schedule, because we already know who the Heat are playing in the first round. They're playing the Pacers. Uh, we now found out that it starts on Tuesday, not on Monday. So we've got an extra day to get ready for that. We are going to get you ready for that on Five on the Floor. We're bringing on a couple of the reporters who cover the Pacers regularly. We're also bringing on Duncan Robinson's high school coach, um, which should be an interesting interview. Coached him at Exeter um, when nobody thought he would become this. But the schedule comes out, and I will say for Heat fans, it kind of sucks. Um, no game Monday, a lot of afternoon games. They've only set the first four, obviously, but... Uh, they got, what is it? Let's go through it. Tuesday at 4, correct? Thursday at 1, Saturday at 1.30, and Monday at 6.30. So, I think no the third, night- was a, third one was 3.30, I think. 3.30, that's right. So, so we got three afternoon games, one's on the weekend. And we've got, uh, on Monday, uh, we've got a, uh, you know, the only game that's actually close to at night. 
So a lot of Heat fans are going to miss some of these games. I know for, if you actually work, if you've been able to keep a job during COVID, it's challenging. Um, but we will be here for you. But, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of respect for this particular series. <laughs> Is that That's kind of what I gathered out of it, Alex? Oh, yeah. I mean, what? This, first of all, the Pacers are used to this. The, I mean, Indiana is looking at this and they're like, oh, yeah, we're the NBA TV series again. This is just what happens when we go to the playoffs. And, yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. I think it would have been more high profile if it was Heat Sixers. I think people kind of expected it to just kind of fall into place. It didn't work out that way. I think this is going to be the NBA TV series. Out. Well, actually, I don't know because the seventh and eighth uh, seeds in the East are so bad that mm. – I don't know. The Heat, the Heat Pacers series might just end up on TV just because it, it'll probably be more competitive than those. But And then you got out West, probably like Nuggets, Jazz. Maybe that's the one that's not as high profile as the other matchups. I think those are going to be the, the main NBA TV ones. Well, I, I think when you look at it, Adam, I mean, uh, we, we talk about in series like in terms of attractiveness. So Lakers-Portland is the one that that's going to get a lot of attention, especially the way Lillard's playing. Houston-OKC. Because, obviously, you've got Chris Paul, you've got Rush, you've got James playing against former teams. Uh, that's certainly, thank you, Benjamin says. Surprised they didn't put this t- series on True TV. Uh, it's on the new Peacock channel. Uh, try to find that. But, basically, uh, you know, when you look at the series in the East, I mean, to me, the least attractive – I mean, the, the two series between the 1-8 and eight and 2-7 and seven are not attractive series at all. Like, Raptors-Nets is an NBA TV series. And, and certainly Magic Bucks is, a, is an NBA TV series. I mean, you can see Giannis, but against what? And, and then Boston Philly, which was the one we were all excited about, has lost all of its luster if, if you don't have – I mean, most of its luster if you don't have Simmons, you have Embiid. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, wh- which one are you guys, Brady, which one are you looking forward to other than the Heat series? You pick one. I'd probably still have to stick with the Boston Philly one. Just those other two series I don't think are going to be too competitive. You know, you look at obviously Brooklyn. Most guys aren't didn't even come to the bubble with them, and the Magic are just not on even close to the level of the Milwaukee. I think I think Philly it could be a little interesting just to just to watch and be go against the, this uh the one spot on the Boston team that they lack, which is a big man, a, like a scoring big man. So I think it'd be kind of interesting to see them too. But then and there's also some reports about Kemba, some uh, some injury things coming up. So it could be a little interesting, but I don't think it'll be. Anything near it? Because I think that the Miami, I, I, talking about the, the the putting it on a series on on TV, I think the four five matchup is always going to be more intriguing than a one eight or two seven, just because it's going to be way more competitive. Well, I thought the Jimmy TJ Warren thing would at least attract a little bit of attention, but I feel like like Jimmy ended that. So so that's I, I feel like if TJ had gotten off on on Jimmy in this last game, then there might be more interest in it. But it's hard. Is that to the same thing that happened in in two thousand twelve with Heat Knicks, where like. Yeah. A, was Heat Knicks the same year as as, as Insanity, as, as or was that as the as year prior? No, it was, wasn't it? I or what I think, was I think it? it was. I think it was. I, I, I think it was. And then everybody in that Knicks series blew out their knee, like right. I mean, everybody got hurt, and but you had the fire extinguisher. But everybody else, like Shumpert blew out his knee, Barron blew out his knee. Everybody blew out their knee in that series. Um, I, I mean, look, I, we've known for. I, I think if if it had been Heat Sixers with both teams healthy, then that would have been the most attractive series in the Eastern Conference. But we didn't get it. You don't really have a healthy Sixers team. And so it becomes Heat Pacers. It becomes diminished in, in national TV eyes. Um, I, I will be curious to see what the ratings are for it. I, I'm curious in general how the playoffs play because so much of like what we remember about the playoffs is what players have done in visiting arenas. You know, Joachim Noah comes in and a fan gives him the finger. Like that, and that none of that stuff's going to happen this time. It's going to be kind of antiseptic and all the rest of that. And 
it's almost like we need these kind of manufactured controversies like Lillard versus George or, you know, Jimmy versus Chris Paul to create any intensity because I, I think it's going to be a struggle um, in that way. Uh, all right, so let, let's, get, let's get to this series real quick, and then I want to get sort of around the NBA. Um, we've talked a lot about some of the matchups, and we're going to talk more about them. But let me throw this at, at Brady and at Adam because we talked about this on our show yesterday, and you guys were not on that. Um, give me a scenario where the Heat lose this series. I, th- I think the biggest one would just be Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo getting hurt. I just think it's, it has to do with injury most of the time. I don't think there's any other way of maybe a shooting slump, but I don't even think that could stop that uh, stop this in any way against this series. But uh, probably an injury would probably be the only way I would say is of a star player. Is there a basketball way that this happens, Adam? I think if there's a combination of, of the talent of that we know Victor Oladipo has and if MVP Warren shows up, I think this could be a seven-game series. But um, I don't know. If, if Duncan's firing, if, if Jimmy's playing well, if Bam's playing to the standard that he's been all season, I think it should be Heat in five or six. I don't know. It's tough. Well, the, the other part of this to consider, too, is you've been playing every other day on the bubble for a while, right? Um, you can have new distractions because now they're allowing for, you know, people to come in with, you know, plus more if you have children uh, into the bubble. So it's a little bit, a little bit of a circumstance. The Bucks are going to make quick work of the Magic if they care about that series at all. It does matter for the Heat to finish this quickly. Like, I don't want to sound like, you know, cocky Heat reporter. You guys are cocky Heat fans. I, I don't, I, but it does matter to finish this in four or five games. Like, you, you don't want to be playing into that second week right, while Milwaukee is sitting there by the pool and playing golf, um, you know, in the bubble without, you know, and hanging out, unless you think that they're having their families around for a week is going to be a significant distraction and maybe gets them off their game. But I do think it matters. Um, you don't have the flight. There's so much is different. Like when we talk about the playoffs, a lot of it has to come to, I don't want to have to take that extra flight. Like you always talked about that, the big three, you know, try to finish off Philadelphia, you know, in, in four games so that you don't have to fly back to Miami and or don't you know, finish off a series, you don't have to fly back to another city. Well, that doesn't exist. You're stuck there. So it's not that, but I just think it's this has got to have been emotionally, physically grinding, especially as you came back into basketball after so long. You don't want this to extend any longer than it has to. Just get the second week by the pool. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's the one positive about the Pacers kind of being banged up. Excuse me. I think it would have been a fun series if the Pacers were healthy. But yeah, like you said, if the Heat are gonna go into this Buck series, I mean, unless they just uh, falter and collapse versus this Pacers team, they absolutely should be should be in five. By the way, if it goes to six, I think that there's gonna be a game or two in there where where they're just messing around too much. But because of that, they should get some time to rest before the Bucks. I think they're gonna really need that. I think they're gonna need to uh, kind of you know rest and recover before having to put in a hundred percent versus Giannis and forming a wall on every single possession and taking the beating that you play, <laughs> I mean, that you get when you play Giannis because that guy is out there playing physical as hell on both ends 24-7 with, the, you know, the unstoppable motor that he has. He, he does not slack. And uh, honestly, it's better for the Heat that the Pacers are banged up. It really is because uh, playing a seven-game series and then trying to go and, and upset the Bucks, I think, would be a really tough thing to do with this roster. Yeah, well, the other thing is uh, the Bucks, as we've talked about, have a lot of older players who are going to really benefit from that week. You know, get Kyle Korver a week, get get Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez, George Hill, get get them a week to kind of chill 
um, while the while Miami's still pushing through it, and and that would be a real benefit to them. So you know, and I also think just from a confidence standpoint, if the Heat can finish the Pacers quickly, they're going to feel like they're flying. I want to get to this. I, I've talked to a bunch of people around Heat players over the past few days, and I can tell you that that like they're not shaken at all by anything negative that happened. Um, in the bubble with the heat, like the losses, the four losses, which they kind of wanted to lose that one last night for some, for some, uh, you know, some reasons with the draft and other things like that. But I I've talked to a couple people who basically feel like, like this team is not putting it on. They think they can get to the finals. They, they really do. Um, and, and so let's look at that scenario. What has to happen? I'll start with you here, Brady. What has to happen? Like best case scenario for Miami to surprise everybody and get to the NBA Finals? What's the single biggest thing? Pick one. I think the single biggest thing is Bam kind of stepping up on offense. I think just him, the way he's been playing lately, he's, he's played well, but I think on offense he's going to need to step up scoring the ball. I think if we could look to him, not we, if uh, Miami could look to him as a, a primary scorer. It's okay. You can still do we, Brady. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm all right. I'm the one who can't do we. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you, if you look at Tim as a primary scorer in a series, I think he could be – a like a change a big change for a team a big swing so I think that just just giving him the ball in those scenarios and I think the thing to monitor also with Bam is the is the fouls I think that these early foul trouble that he's been getting into I think that's something to monitor especially in the Indiana series heading into the Milwaukee series because you're going to need Bam for extended minutes in a Milwaukee against against uh Antetokounmpo and others what is it Adam what's the one thing I think in the uh in the in the games against the Bucks, probably getting into getting Giannis into foul trouble in every game. I think if the Heat get him into foul trouble early in the games, then those are games you could steal. And you have to steal games against the Bucks or else you're not gonna pass. Alex, what's one thing? Honestly, I think they're gonna need to absolutely blow up shooting. And I mean, they were already the first in the league. They were top three in the league in true shooting percentage and three-point percentage all year. So it's already like that's their baseline. So it's just tough to say that they're going to need that to get to the finals because they they already kind of do that. But I think it's going to be – it's going to need to be a thing of like on a game-to-game basis, they're out shooting other teams by a large amount. And other than that, I just think Jimmy and Bam stepping up in the fourth quarter because that's really what it's going to come down to. A lot of these games are going to be very competitive, especially versus the Bucks. And it's going to be about the best players and what they can do uh, once the games start getting tough. And and honestly, it's not just on Jimmy and Bam. Now we're seeing how much Tyler and Duncan uh, mean to this team. And, uh, I mean, my God, Tyler and Duncan in the bubble have just – I mean, the double flamethrower lineup, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm all in. I want to see what these guys do in the fourth quarter. I think it's going to take a lot of significant four-quarter performances and a lot of outshooting the other teams because I think if another team outshoots the Heat, they're done. I, I think – most of the time, it's going to be that simple, even if it is an over- oversimplification, because that is what their formula is based on. Um, I think we're at the point where I'm taking Duncan Robinson for granted, and and so I, I, I don't even think I need to consider him, and, and I think I'm almost at the point where I'm taking Tyler Hero's growth for granted. The one, the two things we have not seen have re- are really about their two best players, and, and that's the thing. In a playoff situation, particularly when we've now narrowed it to 16 – you know, you're going to narrow it to eight strong teams, okay, um, and maybe healthy teams. It comes down to your best players. It, it comes down to your best two-way players in the playoffs, your takeover players. And you don't have to take over the game with scoring, but you've got to take over the game. And, and so to me, it's Bam 
but it's really Jimmy. Because I think we're still we're we're still in this place where it's like he's doing so many other things and he's such an impact on the game that we're almost taking him for his word, like like you know his quote, you know if I win a championship, nobody's gonna be talking about my shooting. But they're not winning a championship or getting close to it if he doesn't improve his shooting. And so I, I feel like that's the one variable here because we're expecting Bam to become uber aggressive overnight. I, I don't know that that's gonna happen. But Jimmy Butler has been a good mid-range shooter over the course of his career. He has been. The numbers say that, okay? Maybe not a great three-point shooter, but he's been a very effective mid-range shooter, very effective out of the mid-post. If that comes back in any significant way, the way it was with Philadelphia last year in the playoffs, this team's ceiling gets so much greater, okay? And it doesn't mean Jimmy has to get 30 every night, but you want the potential that Jimmy can get 30. And I don't feel like we've been there in a while unless he's shooting 15 for 17 from the line. So if that's, you know, everyone I've talked to around Jimmy has kept saying to me, wait till the playoffs, wait till the playoffs, wait till the playoffs, wait till he can hone in on one team, okay, and then hone in on another team. And now he's honing in on a team he doesn't like, an opponent he doesn't like, okay, in terms of a single. And then if he gets past that, it's Milwaukee. And Jimmy loves the challenge of knocking off, you know, sort of the big dog. And I, I just, it, it, to me, it's him. Like, I'm taking Duncan and Tyler for granted. I kind of know what you're going to get from their bench. I know what you're going to get from Goron. But if Jimmy can do that, then it's another, it's another role. And this question comes in, you see Bam taking threes with any regularity. I don't think now. I think that's an off-season project. You know, that's, we'll get with Chris Bosch a little bit more and, and work on that. I think he can take that 12 to 15-foot jumper. But I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think with, Jim, <coughs> with Jimmy, it can happen because it's happened. We've seen it. It happened just Honestly, last year. I'm a little bit I'm a little bit worried, man. I gotta say, I, I do trust Jimmy in general and his decision making. I think more when we've seen these uh, you know, Jimmy's gonna dribble, dribble, dribble and try to make a play. It looks a lot like uh the things that we would complain about in twenty fifteen when when Dwayne Wade would kind of just shut down and and the whole offense and just go for the the mid-range shot. I feel like Jimmy has some of that to him at, uh, and he kind of does that when, when things stall, I'm a little bit worried because I don't want to see that. I think what makes this heat team very good is just how natural that motion offense comes to them. And mm -hmm. I think it's something where it's like, they don't necessarily have to run certain actions to get it going. Whereas like a lot of players will say, yeah, you can run actions all game, but what happens when the game slows down at the end of the day, this is something that they've done so naturally when you, when you watch them play, it's like, it's like muscle uh, memory. They're, they're always going to the same spots. I kind of want to see that continue. I don't want to see any of that. So I think Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, I'm not really worried about them even stalling it to begin with because they're, they're so good at, at just moving around the court, you know, if, if you see them in the closing lineup. And I want to see Bam more involved. I think even more than Jimmy, I want to see Bam do more things and really leverage the, you know, the, the dominance that he could have if there was more of a threat for him to score. You know what I'm saying? And I think if, if they just kind of turn him into a little bit more of a scoring threat where teams are not sure if he's going to pass or, or go for the, you know, dunk, whether it's in a dribble handoff or not. I think if it was a little bit more of a scoring threat, it would, it would make the heat a little bit tougher to guard, whereas, like, a lot of times, Bam gets the ball and you know he's going to pass it. And at the end of the day, you want these sets to happen, right? It's They're extremely successful. But having the counters, I think, is really important for this team. I, I think – Go ahead, go ahead, Brady. I think the biggest thing with Butler, as you guys were talking about that, I think it's just stepping up at the at an end of a game. I think that we've seen a bunch of times him kind of just earlier, a couple games ago, he did that pass to Goron on that on that cut that mm. I wasn't going to be successful, even if he probably caught that. 
I just think that Jimmy being the best player on this team needs to step up at the end of a game and take those shots. Even if sometimes we would say earlier in the season, there was shots that you didn't really like him take at the end of the game, but he needs to be taking those shots when you're the best player on the floor. I'm with you, but I, I think Adam to, to Alex's point, I, I don't like, I don't think it's an either or like, I, I understand what you're saying about, you don't want to disrupt flow of offense and, and really, you know, what makes them so good offensively has, has mostly been the motion and, and the way that, you know, the dribble handoffs and the way that Duncan uh, and Tyler move off the ball and all, all of that that's been unlocked. But I, I don't feel like Jimmy's usage would go up that much anyway, because it's just not who he is. I, I just want him to be more efficient with the usage he has. Like, I'm, I'm not saying that he has to take 20 field goal attempts. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I just think if, if, if he made two mid-range jumpers in the first quarter, okay, like, it's just how much that opens up for him and for everybody else. And I, it's just, it's there. It's, it's, not, it's not like he's incapable. I mean, we're not talking about Ben Simmons here. You know, we're talking about a guy who they trusted to shoot more than they trusted Ben Simmons to shoot last year. Can't, can't they have both? Because I, I just feel if they have both, there's no team in the league that has the depth of scoring options that this team has. I, I just don't think there is one. I mean, I, I, you can talk about the Clippers. You can talk about the way Houston scores. You can talk about Toronto. But I think Miami has – you have elite, elite shooting, two guys who can get to the line consistently, a dribble handoff game with a creative coach. I just think the Jimmy thing is the last piece to this. Well, is that going to end up coming down to whether he takes a jumper when the bigs drop? Because it looks like that's, I mean, to me, that's what it really comes down to. Because, like, let's say they end up going past the Pacers. And I, I don't want to keep looking past the Pacers like it's a done deal, even mm -hmm. though I keep I keep hammering Heat in five. Uh, we, we th This series still needs to happen. It's, the Heat still need to go out there and actually win and play up to expectations. But in the heat Bucks series, where Giannis and Brooke Lopez, two Defensive Player of the Year candidates, and Giannis is the likely winner by the way uh it's gonna be really tough for jimmy to get uh you know a lot of scoring at the rim and i think a lot of it is gonna come down to well Giannis and brooke lopez are gonna drop every single time are you gonna take the shot mm. and it's gonna i mean a lot of times he might not even get a very good look because they've got middleton and wesley matthews and bledsoe out there hounding on the perimeter i think it's gonna be very tough for him to kind of be an alpha scorer and Again, if he tries to force the issue, and he hasn't at all this season, so I'm not saying that like it's happened before. I think if he tries to force the issue, it could get ugly. Whereas, like, if they kind of stick to what works, uh, I think that's what's going to really carry them because, again, their offense is their biggest strength. How uh, many until how we see it flip flop? I I'm going to keep saying right. their offense is the biggest strength. Well, well, it is, but but Alex, how how many games this year did you come out of? I know it's a long time ago, obviously, but how many games did you come out of and say Jimmy shot them out of this game? Like Jimmy no, just shot. Jimmy no. just shot. Maybe I remember a couple of games where I was like, okay, he's. But even in those games, like he got to the line, and there is that strange set, and that that came in here from a couple of people who were who were watching that they won more games when Jimmy had fewer field goals, which which was one of the strangest stats of the season. I I, I guess Adam, I, that, that's my my thing here is I I feel like we're trying to find if this team's going to win something that people don't expect them to win. There's got to be something that happens that hasn't happened yet. So we've already seen the Duncan Robinson thing. We've already seen the Tyler Hero thing, right? We, we've seen uh, at varying stages, you know, DJJ be this kind of flash that gives them, you know, five minutes that sort of change the game, either offensively above the rim or defensively. But the one thing we just haven't seen that, I mean, I go back to the Phoenix game in the regular season, but there's only a handful of games that Jimmy just shot the lights out. It just, just hasn't happened. I mean, the thing about Jimmy, when you say that he shot them out of the game, 
Um, it's really, it, there's no game that he really shot the ball a lot. Um, and it's really in the fourth quarter when you can remember the shots that he's missed that he probably should have made that you come out of the game thinking, oh, Jimmy is the reason we, why we lost this game. Mm-hmm. But aside from the motion that they run, and honestly, it's a perfect thing to run in the regular season. It's going to get you a lot of wins. It's going to, with the shooters that they have, um, they've been thriving off of it, but they've also been surviving off of it. And I think um, if Jimmy has just that extra oomph that they need, um, and Bam too, Bam needs to have that extra oomph that only superstar players have um, that it's really hard to come by. That's the only way they, they can get past the Bucks. Because, you know, when you run the motion, uh, teams know what's coming at them. They know Duncan's going to, you know, curl off um, in, in the corner at the top of the key and shoot the threes. They know what Tyler Hero does. But you need that extra thing to come out from those two players uh, to know to keep the defenses guessing. But And I don't know if they have that. All right, by the way, we got a lot of comments that have come in. We're going to try to get to all of them. But we got, I did get a comment from, from our friend, Nikias Duncan, that was just yo uh, with, with six O's. Uh, Nikias, you're welcome to pop on here. So if you want to go – somebody else is popping on as we speak. Um, but you're welcome to pop on here with us. Uh, we, did, we did do an audible at the last second because uh, we're, we're not sure how many Biscayne Bay Brews Alf has had at this point. So, uh, so he's not here. So, so certainly come on and join the show. All right, I want to get to a couple of the comments. Uh, this one because it's funny we were worried about the three-point shooting at the start of the season and now look it is kind of funny if you look back at it I mean Hassan Whiteside going to Portland we got shooters but they clearly have a couple of three with Gary Trent Jr. Miami ended up being the best three-point shooting team in the league is there is there any concern I guess that you just have an extended cold stretch with this team it hasn't happened often but is there any chance I mean they've look they've changed the rotation a little bit Myers is out he was a pretty consistent, although not a high-volume three-point shooter for them. Jay Crowder is in. He's way above where he's been over the course of his career, but I'm not even waiting for him to drop at this point. But is there any concern with the depth of shooting that they have that maybe they just have a bad week? I mean, that, that, that could be the thing that bounces them out of the bubble. I could see them having, like, a bad game or something or a bad series or something if they blanket Duncan Robinson like they have been, like a team like Toronto. I feel like that's the only way. I think that if they take Duncan out of the picture, there's a chance that we could, could they could go cold. I think that Jay Crowder has been super, one of their most consistent players on the team. But I also I, th- I also think that I don't think he's going to be the spark that Duncan Robinson is in a, in a series that that's going to change the um, the offense. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The way he does. Yeah, I don't think there's any real way for the... For them to go on a huge slump other than Duncan Robinson getting completely denied out of a game like what happened with the Raptors and I don't even think that's something that's that's going to keep happening multiple times in the series like you could tell he really took it personal the way that he got denied out of that game I mean at least from what he said on the on, on the zoom call on the media availability he, he really like was upset about what happened he, he he was upset at himself for not shooting more and I think he's I believe in his confidence at this point right where it's like in the beginning of the season he was just getting new uh, I mean, he he was still new as a starter, and I think at this point he's had so much confidence, and 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 you can see it. He's out there talking crap to guys on the floor all the time. Uh, 
I trust Duncan so much, man. Maybe he has one bad game. I just don't see a serious slump coming from him and and a slump where he gets denied. I feel like it's just too much of a difficult task. And if they're denying him that hard, it's going to be good for the rest of the Heat players as far as uh, Jimmy and Bam and others who thrive at the rim because they're going to get a bunch of cuts to the rim. And, you know, Crowder is going to get plenty of those cuts too. But, yeah, I, I trust Duncan. Uh, speaking of trust, this question came in, and I do want to get some more of the questions that are coming in. End of the game, you trust – you need to get one bucket. Who do you trust more, Goran or Jimmy? I think I think they I well if you're asking I think I think Spo trusts Goran at the moment for if you're taking a jump shot I think it matters about if you're ta- saying taking a three or if you're saying go get a bucket if it's tie game I think you're giving the ball to Jimmy to go attack the basket but I think if you're looking for if you have to get a last second jump shot or something in I think you're going to Goran or even Hero I think that they could look to Hero in a lot of instances the way he has this season I think he has the ability to shot create which is the main thing when taking a last shot is just giving the ball to a shot creator that can get a good shot off at a, at a end of a game. Uh, this, this comes in, uh, somebody says, they hope they didn't miss the Jimmy jump shot talk. We did talk about it for 10 minutes, but the great thing about these streams is uh, it'll be on YouTube forever. Okay. So no matter what, so you can check it out and just scroll back in there. Um, Adam, who do you trust more? Goran or Jimmy at the end or someone else? Or you got to, if it's a three there, then suppose going to just run a set to get, Duncan or hero open but if if you're telling your superstar to go get the win go go to the free throw line do something you always have to give it to your superstar and that's Jimmy I don't trust anyone else Alex you trust <laughs> you trust I mean ball comes out but let's throw it this way you've got let, let's take away the, the, the quote-unquote stars you've got one shot at the end you need a three Jimmy gets doubled gets in the lane gets caught up in the air bam you need whatever. A three why is Jimmy getting doubled no no I'm, that's a good point. That's a good. Oh, okay, maybe they make a mistake. All right, you got me. You got me. That, that's possible. All right, but let. That's, let, an, that's let, an easy shot for well, Duncan. But, He's getting uh, doubled. Well, maybe they're worried about the end one. I don't. But then you don't really want to double them anyway. All right, but let's just let's say the ball mm-hmm. comes out and and you need a three, and these are the players that you've got out on the perimeter there, either Jay Crowder, or Andre Iguodala, or even let let's say Kelly's having a big game. Kelly Olynyk, okay, or Goran Dragic. I, I'm going to take Goran out. That's unfair. The other, the 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 other three guys. I'm not going to put DJJ in because I think that's unfair to DJJ. So let's go. Let's go. Jay, Kelly, Andre. Oh, who man. do you trust? End of a game. You need you need you need a three. Jay, I think Jay gets it off pretty quickly. I mean, Kelly's the best shooter of the three, but Kelly's kind of slow. Whereas, like, he I think he has to be set in a position. Whereas, like, you know, in, in a last. I feel like in a set to to win a game or tie a game, whatever the situation, there's going to be a lot of screening and running around. So Kelly might not get a nice, comfortable look. Whereas like Jay is always doing that. Jay is always running around and screening and then popping open and just kind of shooting quick trigger. So I think it, it'll it'll be muscle memory for him. Uh, I think Kelly will get a shot off that ends up being short because he was he didn't quite have the legs for it. <laughs> uh, you know, Andre's done this a hundred times too, though. Yeah, but only right? from the corner. I'll trust him. <laughs> <laughs> He's done it a lot. I, I mean, mean, that thing leaves I his mean, hands. I don't know where it's going sometimes. I, I, I know, but he did it a lot when he was playing with Curry and Clay. Like, he did it a lot, right? I mean, Adam, you're, you're, you're shaking your head here. People who are listening to this on the pod feed or on uh, on Dash Radio. You, you go with Andre? I, I'm going, Iggy. I, I can't tell you how many times I've rooted for the Cavs. I, I rooted for the Cavs during those Warriors games and how many times I've hated Iggy shooting those last-minute threes to go up by one or to go up by two. Every single game. So I'm trusting Iggy with those shots. 
Brady, who do you want? Those three. I think you got to go with Crowder. I just think the way he's been shooting right now, I think there's a, I think the second option would even be Kelly just in my offside. Cause I think that the way that he's been shooting, if he's having a hot game, I think you might go Kelly like on a, on a bit like of a off, off ball pick or something. I think you might go to Kelly, but I think mm-hmm. the, the, the number one option would be out of those three would be Jay Crowder just with, I think he's the, the one that would be able to shock Reed out of any of those three. And the end was probably the most consistent. All right, so let's throw this out. I'm having fun with this. We'll get to more of this. Uh, yeah, Jay is 60% from three inside the bubble. Absolutely, Tony. Um, I'm sure that won't comment. go down. And well, I mean, it, it, at this point, I mean, there's no gravity. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I mean, it's just hanging up there. I mean, one of his missed threes I the think other we're night. Get, we're, was, playing, we're, getting, the we're playing a tricky game here, Ethan. We're playing a real I, tricky I, game I, here, I, saying I, that I, it's never coming. I, I, got, I got one more. You got a three. Remember Joe Johnson. I, well, I remember Joe Johnson. I remember Gerald Green. I remember a lot of these guys. round is very far away, man. <laughs> I, I, I get it. All right, but let, let's get to this one. This is another fun one. You got a three at the end of the game. You got Hero or you got Goron? Who do you Hero. want? I'm going hero. I mean, after, I mean, I was in, we talked about this so many times at this point, but that moment when he hit that step back three after the steal uh, versus the Sixers and me and Alf were unofficially cheering in a press row away from the rest of the press row because we had to, be, we don't know, we're the little kids in the group. Uh, I'm never going to forget that. That was an amazing moment. And I mean, hero, he does it, man. Isn't that what he said? He said, I, I do this or something like that. After he made that mm-hmm. shot, that's what he does. I feel like he's going to take that shot and he, He's he's in his athletic prime enough where I trust him to like kind of go multiple directions. Whereas like Goron, is, if he's not driving to the left, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's gonna hit you with a step back. But are you getting that type of separation in a late game moment? I don't know. I think Hero might be able to get that separation though. So I'm, I'm gonna trust Tyler here. I Adam think, or Brady. I think when you're picking between the two, I think that I'd go with Goron for the first 47 minutes. But I think that last minute you have to go to Hero. I think Goron's going to hit the three more times than, than Tyler would at the, throughout a game. But I think just so Tyler's shown, like he said, during this year, I, I just think at a late game situation, a clutch moment, he's proved time and time again just in one year that he can do it. And I don't think that he'll be phased by any of that. And I think that you go to Tyler in that situation. Adam? Ethan, if you had to pull this question, I'm pretty sure it would be 100 to zero. It's I think it's hero. Uh, you think it's so? gotta be? Adam, I think so. About that, we can do that I, tonight. I'm not sure. There's, there's. I mean, I, I understand. Look, we're going with, with you know, this recency bias here. Obviously, you know that that Tyler's had a great run, and Goron, you know, at times during his Heat career, has struggled late in games or not been on the floor late in games. But he's also had some moments. I mean, he's had some moments where he's kept him in games. Um, he's been great in the bubble. I know our friend Dos Minutos is trying to figure out my whole theory about why Goran would be great in the bubble because it's uh, – but was it him or somebody else? It was one of the guys on Twitter who was trying to figure out – It was him. It was him. My, my whole theory about how Goran would be good in the bubble because of European basketball. And I don't really know why I came up with that theory. I, I, I don't know. I just – Very I, creative. <laughs> it, but it seems right. It, it, it seems right. Um, and he's been really, really good in this circumstance. I don't think it'd be a hundred zero. I think it might be 70, 30. Let, let's, but I've been wrong about polls be, uh, recently. I had Steve Jones jr. I embarrassed him in a poll because I told him it'd be seven, 30, 70, 30. And it was like 99 to one, uh, the last poll I did with him. So I'm not, I'm not quite sure about that. All right. Uh, let, let's go around the NBA a little bit. I, I want to get to some, some things that have happened here in the bubble. And obviously we got Adam here who runs, uh, runs the, uh, the clutch account here. Um, uh, who has been the, the best player, in the bubble. Is it Dame? Is he the MVP of the bubble? Um, yeah. 
by far, no question. I think the value that he adds to his team is far greater than who I would pick, you know, runner up, which is Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that he carries more of a load than Devin Booker has to on a nightly basis. Um, and so when you will your team from, I don't know, four spots back or something like that into the playoffs, you have to, no question. And not only that, but you, you, you make, you know, the case that they might struggle against, or the Lakers might struggle against the Blazers just because of Dame. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case, but people are starting to question whether or not the Lakers, you know, can go through easily or not. So I think that's that you got to give credit to Dame, and, and and that's all on him. And he he is their worst possible matchup to me. <laughs> like if you were to pick one player that's just a bad matchup for the Lakers, it's it's him. Uh, is can you make a case for anybody else, Brady? I mean, it was TJ for a minute, and Jimmy kind of ended that. I think the Sorry, only Jimmy. I think the only one would probably be Devin Booker. Just saying eight and zero in a, in the bubble is just is just a case in itself. For willing that team to that to that point, I think he's had a very good, very great scoring run during this time. He's a, he's for him being that young as well, being able to lead that team is another thing. So I think the number two option of behind Dame would definitely be Devin Booker. Man, Alex, honestly, is there a third option? Oh yeah, oh yeah, okay. and it's a familiar name, and his name is Carmelo Anthony, baby. That guy, <laughs> if it wasn't for him. Dame and his 50, 60 point outings wouldn't mean anything because CJ McCollum is out here playing with a slightly fractured back, apparently. And if it again, if he dropped 50 and 61 in back to back games, right? Dame didn't Melo go off in both of those games and hit clutch shots in both of those games? He went 10 of 17 last game, man. People were saying this guy was done. I mean, did you, you remember? How, do you guys remember how he looked in Houston and OKC? I mean, it's. <laughs> <laughs> this this guy, like the mellow thing to me has been one of the best stories in the bubble. And he's hitting shot after shot, keeping the blaze. And now the, the one angle that we haven't really heard about much uh, is that Melo and LeBron could maybe play each other finally in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> maybe I know. Maybe these aren't the circumstances that people thought they yeah. <laughs> would be no, the case no, that's in the pandemic but- while Melo was out of the league for, for a year. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm laughing at that, but I'm also laughing because my daughter has decided to put a basketball in front of my face. It's so a good contribution. <laughs> More valuable than anything I've said, for sure. Uh, <laughs> has has Melo hit a last-minute three in every close game that they've played? He's hit like three of them. So. <laughs> yeah. In every single game. Yeah. It's Pre- wild. Pre- pretty much. Um, all right, so let's get to the biggest disappointment in the bubble. Who, who is oh, the, not, not, not team, but who's the player that's been the biggest disappointment? Oh man, I, I thought you were gonna say team. I already had it ready to go. Uh, Bronze? No, I mean, no, because I mean, LeBron is all about the playoffs, man. If this starts happening in the playoffs, then for sure. But it's like this is something that's like, are we gonna even remember it if the Lakers are just like losing one game in every series until the conference finals? Uh, it's tough, right? I mean, I, I, don't I, I don't think Donovan Mitchell's played bad badly in the bubble. His team. Um, has not really met enough. the challenge there. Um, I mean, I, in, in the Eastern Conference, I mean, Philadelphia, I mean, I think Embiid's played well when he's played. I mean, he's, you know, he's... I was going to say Embiid, but yeah, it's unfair. It's unfair because, I mean, he hasn't had Simmons and, and then he got hurt. Um, so, so I don't think it's him. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't think Oladipo's been great, but we didn't even know if he was going to play, right? Uh, Toronto, I was looking at some of Toronto's numbers. You know who has been a little bit disappointing for Toronto and, and I think he's got to get it together. Not in this series. Pascal. Be fine against against Brooklyn, Pascal, he's not been great. He's averaged 16 on, on uh, 39% shooting, 
And that's, you know, that's not going to be good enough for them. I understand what they've gotten out of Van Vliet, although he tailed off a little bit. Um, Lowry's shooting was only okay. But Pascal needs to be better than that if they're going to go any significant way. I'll give you a couple surprises. Guys who've made money in the bubble, okay? Gary Trent Jr. Oh, yeah. Joe Harris has been incredible. Um, Average 20 points on 60% shooting from three. And, I mean, is there another one that comes to mind? <laughs> oh man, I don't know the game. Any, Gary any, any one of the, I think any one of the Nets players made money. Yeah, I think Caris Levert. Caris Levert has been very good for them. I think. I think that he could earn some money for them, especially. I think for him to step up the way he did without those other guys there and become the primary player on that team and, and win some games, I think that could very well happen. What What does that mean, kind of, for their long term future? I mean, for the Nets' long term future. I, th- I think you figure it out once Kyrie and KD come back. I think you're going to have to wait to see how they mix in together. I don't think you could kind of tell right now. I think they're just going to kind of just ride with the way that, that this all fell together. And then next year, whenever they get KD, Kyrie, and obviously DeAndre Jordan, all those guys back, they're going to kind of figure it out then. And if you look at the Western Conference, I mean, is there a team there that has kind of emerged as – having a better future maybe than we anticipate. I mean, it would be Phoenix, right? I mean, what do you read into Phoenix going 8-0? Uh, I see the Suns as a potential, you know, 6-7 seed next year. Um, that's what I'm taking out of that. And I think that if they, they're off to a, you know, a good, strong start next year, they might be a buyer in the trade market. I also think that though Memphis might have been a little bit of a disappointment the way they they came in, I think they're very they're a very bright future to talk about. I think John Morant leading that team along with Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark, I think those guys have proved to be very very bright future have very bright bright futures. I think the way that they're they're going towards, I think Justice Winslow returning is going to be a big piece for them, and obviously Dylan Brooks. I think they have a lot of guys that can become become very good players, and they're heading in the right direction. I mean, I think we. Uh, this came in on the comments. I think with the Suns, uh, Bridges uh, looks like he's a player. Uh, I do think that some of these young guys, they've taken that that step here that is typically taken at a at the next summer league. Um, <laughs> sorry, I got this ball. You know, they, they've, they've taken that step that's typically been at the next summer league. And I think we've seen that with the Heat also. You know, and I think as we look forward, let, let's sort of finish here. And uh, my daughter here is product placing with the hat and with the ball. So... Uh, that's why I'm kind of sort of uh, laughing here. But l- does anything that's happened in the bubble, and we'll close here, does anything that's happened in the bubble change what you think is the trajectory of the Heat in terms of decisions that will be made going forward? In other words, has t- Duncan Robinson made himself untouchable? I think so for sure. I don't. I don't think I don't see them moving him in any any way for any any player. I think he's off the table. I I, don't, I honestly don't think that they should throw Tyler Hero away for, for nothing, as other people do, mm. in, uh, in certain trades. But I don't think that they would even think about um, giving Duncan Robinson away. Way, way, they'll keep him way more than they would any of the other young guys that they have. What do you think, Adam? I mean, have they both made themselves untouchable? Well, the thing about the Heat is I, I feel like they believe that, you know, they already found one. They could go find another one. As unlikely as it may be, uh, if push comes to shove on a certain player or a certain trade, do you really think that they're going to hold off on Duncan Robinson when you know they feel that they could get a replacement Duncan maybe a year down the line or if they 
you know, if they scout a certain player they really like, you know. So I don't know. I think all players except for, you know, Bam and Jimmy are, are on the table for trades, but it would have to be a very convincing trade for them to pull the trigger. Both untouchable now, Alex, Duncan and Hero. I mean, honestly, I'm a little bit confused about this because uh, they were already very high inside the Hero. Even going into the season before we saw Hero do what he did, uh, they didn't want to give him up for Westbrook. They didn't want to give him up for Chris Paul. And we know it was a lot of the financial reasons, but that's that's a big thing to say, right? To be like, no, we're not going to do this for you. We can trade for one of these guys right now, and it'll probably take us to a different level, but we're not going to do it because we believe in him that much. So that tells me that after this season and after seeing what he's done in the bubble, they're only going to be higher on him. I think they have every reason to be extremely high on Duncan Robinson. I think it's going to be really hard to get them to trade him. I think they're going to be trying to get like others that they can throw into throw. I, I think they're going to try to throw in anything into a possible deal for a bigger name before Tyler and Duncan Robinson. They're going to be like, uh, here, we'll give you Kendrick. We'll give you KZ. We'll give you these picks. We'll give you Iguodala. If you need, if you need another veteran for, for your playoff run, uh, just please don't take our shooters. These guys are special. I, I think, I mean, Jimmy Bam and those shooters, I think I, I love that core. I think they should build around that. And if they could add somebody to that core, I think that would be fantastic. But it may just be a pipe dream at this point. Well, okay, so so let's let's close here with the Dolphins on the – I mean the Dolphins, the Heat on this one. This is why I got distracted because I, I did a two-a press conference today. Uh, is Kendrick Nunn sort of off the table in another way now? Because we, we had talked about him possibly being the piece – that helps you get someone or sort of the sweetener piece. Uh, you know, Leif has talked about that a lot. Like Kendrick Nunn at his contract, even though he's 25, going to turn 26, uh, that he, he was, he had, he still had the potential to grow a little bit. And obviously third, going to be likely to be third in rookie of the year voting. But has he taken himself kind of off the table now as an attractive piece for other teams? Or do you think that just doesn't happen over the course of, you know, a couple of bad weeks? I think I think there's a lot of these like lower level teams that would could definitely use a Kendrick Nunn as a as a major scoring piece on their teams. I think that's the biggest, the most enticing for teams is these guys that that just need a pure score because that's what he is. Even though he's in a slump, I think that you need a guy like Kendrick Nunn that's going to get you that can get you twenty a night. I, I and I think that that's something he could very well do. I, and I also think for the Heat being for him being expendable, I think that with their draft pick being this year in, in the probably around the in the twenties. I think there's a way if they want to move Kendrick Nunn, I think they, there's a lot of replacements for him if they would want to look that way and try to get a guy, yet another guy that can be replacing a guy they're, they're sending out. Uh, yeah, Kendrick Nunn's trade value is probably at its lowest as a very good starter for the Heat and a very good scorer and all of that. Uh, I really don't know, man. I'm, I, I got to say I'm skeptical. I've been very, like, on both sides of this about whether or not you trade the, the young core for one of these guys that we keep talking about, Oladipo or Mitchell or Beal. I'm on both sides of this. I think the hero and Duncan stuff for what they've done in the bubble has made me uh, kind of move even further away from that. And then what's happened with Kendrick Nunn where they, he's gone the opposite way while the other guys have gone up. It's made it harder to be like, okay, you can't have these guys, but you could have him because <laughs> I mean, I think he's going to have to prove himself again. And I'm not saying that, uh, you know, what happened during the season is a fluke or anything, but I do think teams and scouts after seeing him all season kind of realized that he's somebody who was able to average 15 points a game because of playing next to two all-stars and, and basically just soaking up a lot of uh, easy shots. And I guess a lot of, I think drop opponents where it's kind of easy for him to get 
good looks, whether it's at the three-point line or whether it's a pull-up game. And the pull-up game is very important to the Heat. But uh, it has to be a good fit for another team. I don't really know if you can sell him as the main uh, piece in a trade for a bigger guy. In fact, I'm extremely skeptical that you could sell another team with Kendrick Nunn being the main player from a trade. All right, let's finish this up here um, since we got a couple guys on that aren't typically on on five on the floor. Uh, Alex, I think we're going to wait to make our picks until Sunday night when, when we bring everybody on that show. We're going to do this kind of double show um, with Scott Agnes and also with J. Michael Fal- Falgus, uh, both of whom cover the Pacers, and, and we're going to have everybody on and kind of discuss that. So let me give Brady and Adam the last word on this one. Heat in what? I think I think it's going to be Heat in six. I think that you look at a way, I think it's going to not be as close as it sounds in six. I think that they'll probably win like the first three, then drop two, and then finish it out in six. I could kind of see that happening. Um, I think I think that the way they're going to have to do is just, like Alex said earlier, just just continue to shoot. Just that's the only thing you can do. You can't be lackadaisical on on the offensive side. They've shown that they can play defense as well as anybody in this bubble, This which was the, the big issue that people were looking at. I think they just got to continue to shoot, and then they'll, they'll probably end up winning the series. Adam? Yeah, I agree with Brady. I'm going Heat and six. I think they're going to start out the games like they did against the Hornets a few years ago. They're going to start out 2-0, and two big blowouts, and then they're going to lose, you know, two and have to grind them out in the end. But I think Heat and six is a good um, – is a good prediction. I don't know though. It could be, it could be as easy as heat and four. Uh, I mean, we don't know how TJ Warren's going to come back. If he's going to play the first game, I think he should, and he will. Uh, but we, we, we really don't know what's going to end up happening uh, because everything is new. Any prediction that anyone has is really, you know, a mute point. It's, it's, it's however these players, however far these players take their respective teams. All right, Alex, I'll let you do this one. What is the most likely upset of the eight series in the first round? You had to pick Damn, one up. What would it be? An upset, huh? Mm. Anyone. Because it looks like chalk in it's, the East. But but Adam's right. I mean, this, this is sort of a different circumstance. I mean, it's honestly really hard to say to pick an upset because of these seeds. But the one that comes to my head is the 3-6 in the West, the Jazz and the Nuggets. And I might still pick the Nuggets in that series. But I think that's going to be a very competitive series. Like, the Jazz have Mike Conley now, and he wasn't great all season. I think he looked better as of, as of late. He's not an the all-star caliber player he was in Memphis. Still a very good player. I think he's going to need to step up if they want to beat the Nuggets. Uh, you know, them without Bogdanovich has been very tough on their offense, which was their problem to begin with. It's why they brought in Bogdanovich and Conley. Uh, so it's going to be tough, and the Nuggets have been a very good defense. But, I mean, we saw that this Jazz team with a rookie Donovan Mitchell eliminate the Paul George and Russell Westbrook, Oklahoma City Thunder. Why not this Nuggets team with, let's say, one all-star to superstar type player and a bunch of other very good players. I mean, just off of that logic, that makes sense in my head. I think the Jazz have a very good defense. Defense wins in the playoffs. So I could see that happening. I mean, would, would okay, would, Jazz Nuggets would be a pretty significant upset the way the Jazz have played, I, I would think, right? I mean, would OKC Houston even be an upset? If I mean, if OKC won, oh, man. If OKC were to eliminate Houston, that would That's be like- huge. That's like a killer blow to the Rockets. That would be devastating for them. But is Russ going to be 100%? And we don't know, right? So I mean, if- uh, No, he's missing the beginning of the series. That's right. what they said in game or two. So I, th- I think, though, that I-, I personally think that the Clippers are going to go to the finals, but I definitely would not be surprised just with these circumstances if Dallas was to upset L.A. 
I, I wanted to say it, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it's, it. It's a bad <laughs> I, I don't. I yeah. I don't like that matchup for them. I yeah. I think that Dallas could very well. I think they could win that series easily if if the Clippers have a couple bad games early. I I I just don't think that's a great matchup for them, and I I could very well see that happening. All right, I'll let Sasha. Since Sasha's on my lap, I'll let you have the final word. Did the Heat beat the Pacers in the series? Yes or no? <laughs> that, that doesn't look good. She's not making not a, a great pick. sign. <laughs> She's not making a pick. All right. I was going to say Heat and five, but maybe not now. All right. We'll be back. Uh, look at that. You got your chance in the spotlight. They didn't make a pick. Uh, we'll be back uh, with five on the floor on Sunday night. Like I said, we're going to be talking to J. Michael, Mike, Michael Falgos and also to Scott Agnes. And then on Monday, uh, we're going to be talking to Duncan Robinson's coach at Exeter. Uh, we're going to have all the picks and everything like that. We're going to be doing live streams before every game, before floor for 30 minutes. We're going to be doing post-game uh, streams, post-game pods. And again, check out Brady's work on 5reasonsports.com. Also check out Adam on the Clutch NBA at 5R account. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the 5 on the Floor on the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.